Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. All of us who are here in the room and those of you who are joining us online, glad that you're here. Uh, many of us grieving the deaths of our NCAA brackets. Uh, but that's okay. You're in the right place. You're, it's okay to grieve. It's okay. To, you're in the right place to find some peace and some hope again. Um, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true. Uh, we believe that the Lord does meet us right here as we gather to worship him. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you invi for inviting us into this time, into this place where we get to center our hearts and our thoughts on you, on the God who made us, on the God who loves us, the God who is with us and walks with us through whatever life throws our way. Uh, God, on this, on this morning, on this day, for this hour, would you help us to, to keep our focus on you, uh, to be attentive to your spirit speaking to us, words that we need to hear. Uh, can you help us to, to truly connect with you through the songs that we sing to you and, and the prayers that we pray to you as we listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures? May we hear your voice and may we receive your grace and meet you at the table of our Lord Jesus. We are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you, to pray to you, to connect with you today, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're, uh, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know that I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day Your love never fails You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in
Psalm. Book of Psalms. 86, verses 9 through 10. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Psalm 47. Come everyone, clap your hands and shout to God with joyful praise. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King over all the earth. Praise him with a psalm. God reigns over the nations sitting on his holy throne. The rulers of the world have gathered together with the people of the God of Abraham. For all of the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly honored everywhere. Amen. Pray with me, would you? Father, we do clap our hands before you. We praise you, Lord, and we honor you. You are the king above all kings, the Lord above all lords. Lord, at your name, every knee will bow and will confess. Father, I thank you that you are a God that big and that mighty and that, that awesome, Lord. And yet, 
You are also so close and so intimate. You are my daddy. Father, I, I can't really comprehend how you can be both at the same time. And yet, Lord, I thank you that you are able and willing to be that God to each and every one of us. So big and yet so personal at the same time. Father, this morning, some of us come with heavy burdens. We know that you will carry them for us. We know that we can lay them down at your feet. We know that you will work in and through them, Father. We can trust you to do that, and we thank you for that reality today. I thank you that no matter what we've been through in the recent past, in the far past, no matter what we're facing coming up very soon or farther down the road, Lord, you are there already, and you are there. You're going to be there as we, as we walk through as we have already traveled, Lord. I pray, Father, that you'll be with us in this service. I thank you for already being ever-present in this place. I thank you, Father, for the intimacy that you have called us to this morning with you. So be with us. May we be transformed by whatever happens here this morning, Lord, by whatever word you have for us, by whatever the song ministers to us, by whatever is said and done, Lord. May we know that we have encountered you in a special way this morning. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word to us. And for all these things, Lord, we pray in your name, giving you honor and glory and blessing. Amen and amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. I, uh, I hope all of you who are joining us online are uh, posting something in the comments or, or checking in with us to let us know you're here because uh, we miss the chance to connect with you like we're all connecting with each other right now. So it's a good thing. I love this. I love that part of the service. I know some of you don't. I know some of you, like, that's your chance to go stand by the coffee or visit the bathroom or get, you know... Go somewhere where no one's going to shake your hand. But, uh, yeah, I, I love this part of the service where we get to catch up, greet each other, uh, hug each other, all that goodness. So, so, yeah, if you are watching online, please make sure that you chime in in the comments. And we hope to see you here soon. If you're, if you're in the area, if you're able, uh, that'd be a good thing. Um, you can let us know. You can go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out a little digital connect card. Or all of us in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there by the offering box and uh, jot us a question or a comment or a uh, way we can pray for you or thank God with you and drop it in the box. And that way we can be... Uh, praying for you, thanking God with you, answering your questions, whatever it might be. And, uh, or you can do that online. You can give online as well. Or if you're here in the room, you can give in that box. Um, I did, uh, oh, I don't have a thing up there, a slide for it, but I wanted to thank you guys again for uh, letting us do the overnight warming center here in the building uh, the last like two and a half months. That ended this past Tuesday night was our last night. And uh, I've been saying, I've been letting you know, like, yeah, we had, you know, between like eight and 17 each night. And Probably had 30 or 40 overall throughout the thing. Well, this last week, I finally went through all the sign-up sheets and uh, just typed all the names in as they appeared. And uh, we had far more than 30 or 40 people. We had just over 70 people that stayed here at some point. Uh, so over 70 people that at some point were in our community with no place to go at night. And uh, that's probably, you know, that's not everyone. Because we know there are other folks who really don't have a place to go, but they don't want to come in to any place. Uh, there are some folks who just would rather camp in a tent no matter what, or um, there are people that are crashing on a friend's couch and all that sort of thing. So uh, please be praying for your neighbors in need. And uh, <clears throat> although we couldn't keep that going, you know, forever, it was a limited amount of time that we could do that, um, the need still exists. Um, so there are still folks, <laughs> I've been in touch with quite a few of them the last few days as this has ended, and they're trying to figure out where do I go next and where can I get help. And, and uh, there are some resources in the community, but not nearly enough. So um, uh, please be praying, too, that this, um, I think I mentioned last week that Mitch over here, uh, hi, Mitch, that uh, <laughs> he's, he's working hard to try to get an, another shelter built. And uh, which will have a warming center attached. So if you hear about that, if you hear about the new shelter that Respite House is working on, um, please throw some energy behind that or make a phone call or do whatever you need to do uh, to try to help push that forward. Just be praying that that moves through and that everything goes through quickly uh, so that folks have a place to stay. But um, yeah, the need is real. And thank you for helping to alleviate some of that need, meet some of that need for the past 
two and a half months. Uh, the people who stayed here deeply appreciated it. And uh, I got to hear that, but you didn't. So I'm passing along their thanks. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, what, what was the next? What was the next thing we we're going to talk about? The 6K, I guess. Uh, many of you saw uh, our child labor happening out in the lobby as you came in. My, my two kids and my wife out there uh, were making sure that you're aware of the global 6K for water. We, we host this every year, um, have for the last several years. Uh, this is a fantastic program. I know some of you supported me when I ran the Chicago Marathon last fall with, uh, for World Vision. That was great. I'm not doing it again this year, okay? And, uh, and most of us aren't going to run a marathon, but you can probably walk five times around the track across the street. That's, that's 6K. That's the average distance that kids and women mostly uh, walk to get water in many parts of the world. And the water they get isn't the clean water that your coffee was made with this morning or that you're drinking right now out of that water bottle. It's water that's like surface water that animals uh, also eat out, drink out of and uses a toilet and all the rest. It makes people sick. It kills children every day. And we have a chance to change that. It's an amazing thing that we get to, we get to change that. And when you register for the 6K, your registration pays for clean water for the child. They will give you a little race bib with a child's face and name and country on it. Uh, you saw some samples of those out there in the lobby. Um, we've got just a, a short video about that, uh, real short video, about one particular little girl and the difference it can make. Millions of girls like Mahana walk up to six kilometers every day for water that can make them sick. That's 3.7 miles. And what's in the water isn't the only threat. As they walk, they risk abuse, trafficking, and dangerous animals. Flooding or falling can lead to drownings. And the time spent walking means girls miss school or drop out entirely. Entire futures, gone. Globally, one in 10 people have no access to clean water. That's why at World Vision, our passion for clean water runs deep. Deep enough to reach one new person every 10 seconds and three more schools every day with clean water. So girls can be in class, moms can run households and businesses, and kids can be healthy. Join World Vision's global 6K for water and change lives by bringing clean water access to those who need it most. Uh, you can go to worldvision6k.org, like it said at the end of the video, or if you want to join our team right here, you can go to valpo6k.com, and it jumps you right to our team page. You don't have to go there and search for Valpo and, and all the rest. If you go to valpo6k.com, then you can click on the registration thing right there. And right now, there are two things that are uh, making this extra cool for us, all right? One is that uh, World Water Day is this coming Wednesday, the 22nd, which is a, it's a World Vision holiday. I mean, it's celebrated around the world. It's, I think, set by... I don't remember if it's the UN or some, some international body that says World Water Day to emphasize the need for water around the world. And uh, we are hoping, together with people all over World Vision and all over the world, to raise a million dollars on that day. Um, so if you want to invite friends to donate or that kind of thing, early on the 22nd, there's going to be a match. Uh, but for the 6K, they've got us, our match starting early, starting today. So if you want... To, uh, to register, bless you. If you want to register for the 6K today, uh, your registration will get matched. Uh, that means if you if you pay the full $50 for an adult to sign up or $25 for someone 18 and under, uh, that amount will get matched and will provide clean water for another person. However, it doesn't need to cost you $50 or $25 right now because for the next couple of weeks, there are some donors who said, we believe in the 6K so much, we want to bring the cost down for people, and they're going to pay $15 of your registration if you use, what does it say on the back here, promo code uh, WWD23. It's not World Wrestling, it's for World Water Day. World Water Day 23. So when you register, if you put that promo code in, it will take $15 off, which makes it $35 for an adult, or just what, 10 bucks for somebody 18 and younger to participate. And they will cover the rest, and you will still be providing clean water for that child on your bib, but it's not going to cost you as much. So now's a great time to sign up and to invite friends. It's on May 20th. We'll be out there across the street. Last year it rained on us. We still had fun. Almost everybody showed up anyway in spite of the rain. Uh, hopefully this year it'll be nice weather. And uh, we just walk five laps around there together. And some of you decide to run. Some of you, you know, bring a stroller or bring your dogs or whatever. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but it helps us to connect with some of our neighbors around the world and the need that they face and the, the distance they walk every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, to get water. And uh, the amazing thing to me about this, and a reason that I've been uh, such a uh, proponent 
of doing this for so many years now is because this is a way that we can actually tangibly make a difference. It's not one of those just insurmountable problems that it's just so big that I'm never going to be able to... No, I, I can sign up and I can provide clean water for one person. I can invite my friends to sign up and they will provide clean water for one person. So anyway, we would love to have you participate in that. Uh, and then the other thing we put on the back here is that Easter Sunday is right around the corner. Uh, so April 9th is coming right up. And uh, we'll, we're going to do our uh, Easter egg hunt in between the services. We've done that the last several years for kids in the yard next door to the church over here. Uh, but Easter Sunday should be a lot of fun. We hope that you'll join us. And um, it, it's always a good celebration of, of what Christ has done for us. And uh, we're probably going to take a brief pause on our journey through the Old Testament that day to, to just focus in on what Jesus has done for us. Uh, I'll have to see if there's something in the book of Numbers that really connects with Easter. Probably not. So anyway. Uh, oh, and the, the Sunday after that, uh, we have an opportunity to, to put together more crisis care kits. I forgot to put this in the bulletin. Um, but uh, some of you remember about a year ago uh, when all the stuff in Ukraine was just... Uh, kind of sparking, um, that we invited you to donate, and then we purchased a bunch of equipment. We put together all these crisis care kits that get shipped all around the world. Uh, it's something the Church of the Nazarene does, and I think other organizations do too. Um, it's got things in it like uh, soap and toothbrushes and a washcloth, and it's got just a bunch of like basic need type stuff, and you pack them up in bags and in banana boxes, and ship. they get shipped all over the world. Some of them are being used, continuing to be shipped right now to uh, Europe for the refugee crisis. Some have been sent to California to deal with flooding. They get sent all over the place. And so uh, we're going to have another one of those assembly days uh, the day after Easter, I think, the 16th, is what we're going to do in between the services. And if you'd like to give to that, um, I can't remember how much it costs per crisis care kit just now, but if you want to donate to that, um, you can just, on our website or whatever, if you're giving, there's a missions drop down. If you give to missions between now and then, uh, we'll put that toward purchasing crisis care kits, all right? Because that's, that's what that's for. Um, so you can do that. You can write a little note on the envelope, say, oh, this is for missions, or you can write crisis care kits or whatever, and we'll, we'll use that to buy all the supplies because they all have to be certain sizes and all the rest. They've got to kind of match uh, to, to get shipped. So uh, Pastor Judy really is the one coordinating all that. If you have questions about that, uh, Pastor Judy just want to talk to you. So, yeah. All right, so that's coming up too. Uh, I think that's it by way of announcements, unless did I miss something I was supposed to say? I'm not seeing anybody flag me down. Okay, good, good. Um, this, uh, this morning, as I was thinking about, this, this might be our last message in the book of Leviticus, right? Which some of you are saying, yay! Because uh, next week we're going to pause, we're going to do something different, and then we've got Palm Sunday and Easter before we get into, into Numbers, as we're making our way through the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And uh, there is so much in the book of Leviticus that we just could not get to could not touch on. I mean, we talked about the Day of Atonement, right, and forgiveness of sins. We talked about last week the, the festivals and the feasts and the Sabbaths and how God even wanted the land to get a rest and what that must look like to trust God to take time away from work and to take a year away from harvesting and, and planting and, and just trust that God will provide, that, to remind ourselves that God's the one who's in charge. And uh, in the middle of that last week, there was this, this little bit, uh, I didn't, I had to kind of skip over this, going through those different feasts and festivals. I mentioned that some of them are tied to like the harvest and when the harvest comes in, you would return some of that to God and, and thank him for what he'd provided. And so right after that, I guess the festivals of weeks, that there's this line there in Leviticus chapter 23 that, I don't know, it seems a little odd. Some of you have heard of it before, but, but maybe you haven't. They say, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. He's telling them when you, you know, you've planted your field, you've seen it grow, you've, you've looked forward to the harvest, and now when you go to harvest, don't do a good job, is what it sounds like to me. Like, like uh, just kind of go over it in a, in a hurry, and if something falls, just leave it. And if you don't quite get all the way to the edge, like, don't back up and get that. It reminded me of when I mow the grass. Um, I don't harvest fields, right? So the closest I come to is chopping grass off in my yard. And uh, if I have forgotten to sharpen the blade, which I usually do, and if I'm in too big of a hurry, which I often am, you know, I go down one row with the lawnmower, and I turn around, and I come back, and looking back at what I just mowed, sometimes it's got, you know, it kind of looks like my hair right now. You know, there's like little bits of it sticking up, you know, that I missed, that the blade just skipped right over, or the blade just kind of pushed over, and the grass just said, ha, 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 and stood right back up. Um, 
that I kind of feel like it's like that. He's saying, if you, when you do that, don't go back over it then. Just leave it. Because you've got neighbors who don't have land, who aren't able to plant and harvest. And there are foreigners living among you. And there are people who, you know, for one reason or another, they just, they haven't been able to provide for themselves. So leave that for them. Now the grass, not the grass thing, but you know, if it's grain, if it's corn, if it's whatever you've planted there, you know, leave some of that for them. Some of you are familiar with this because there's a story in the Bible that features this, this very thing, uh, the book of Ruth. Um, I grew up hearing the book of Ruth uh, quite often. My mom's name is Ruth. So, you know, she's named after the character uh, in the Bible. Uh, <clears throat> but there's a story in our Old Testament, the book of Ruth, about this uh, woman named Ruth who is from Moab, one of the neighboring nations, and had been married to an Israelite. And, and uh, she ends up back in Israel after the death of her husband and her father. And, and she's there with her mother-in-law trying to make her way in Israel. And she ends up doing this. She ends up uh, going and, and gleaning. She ends up going to uh, a field of a, of a guy named Boaz and going behind the harvesters. And after the harvesters have done their work, then she and many other people would come along behind and gather up what was left so they would have something to eat. So they would have resources. This strikes me as odd because in our day, in our time, like like, you'd get fired for that, right? I mean, if your job is to harvest and your boss comes by and says, hey, what's the deal? You didn't go all the way to the edge there, you know. Or, hey, you left some lying on the ground. We've got to, you know, got to pick that up. Like, oh, no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that in case somebody needs it. The boss would say, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's our grain. You know, those are, those are, that's our produce. You know, you're hired to, to harvest that, not to, not to leave it behind. But this is what God instructs his people to do, to kind of do a half done job of their harvesting so that there will be something there for people who need it. Now, that's actually repeating a command that, that had appeared a few chapters earlier. And I, I went ahead and included a big chunk of Leviticus 19. Uh, this is the chapter that Jesus quotes uh, later on, and that's where, that's where we'll end it. But I'll start at the beginning of this chapter, and as we go through here, you'll recognize some of these commands just kind of stated in a different way. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, I'm holy. This is one of the central kind of themes of Leviticus. It's a holy God who has called us to be holy. He set us apart for himself. He wants us to be different from the surrounding people. He says, each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, and this one gets kind of long, sacrifice it, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice it, or on the next day. Anything left over till the third day must be burned up. If any of it's eaten on the third day, it's impure, will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible, because they've desecrated what's holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people, which sounds like a very long and, and kind of really harsh treatment. But apparently there are some of the sacrifices that would be offered. Like you said, it's a fellowship offering. It's the kind of offering where you bring it and you're inviting others to join you. It's kind of like a little party, a little festival. And they're saying, go ahead and eat all that on that day and the next day. Don't leave it till the third day. Don't leave it beyond that. And that might have been because you, that's forcing you to like invite more people. Like to invite people you wouldn't have necessarily invited. We only got two days to get through all this food. Who else can we invite? You know what? Nah, those guys never invited us to anything. But you know what? That's because they don't have anything to invite us to. So yeah, let's make sure we invite them. So God's making sure, even here, this might be a, out of concern for the poor making sure that they're included, making sure that this all gets consumed within those first two days. All right, right after that one is this command that we read earlier that gets repeated in Leviticus 23. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, which apparently is like what kind of falls down. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. So that was a little bit longer. They mentioned the thing about grapes, right? But it's the same basic idea. When you're going through and harvesting, if you're, if you're like, oops, drop those grapes, don't pick them back up. Leave them there. Don't go back over it a second time. Make sure that you leave something behind for others. Because I am the Lord your God. And then he continues with more commands that you might recognize. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. It's like a lot of the things we heard in the Ten Commandments are getting repeated here. Um, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Which that one 
always, that's kind of an odd one to me. But then I realized, like, oh, wait, like, cursing the deaf. It's like, they can't hear me, so I'm talking about them. Like, I'm, I'm spewing curses at them knowing they can't hear me, almost like a way of mocking them. Don't put something in front of a blind person that's going to trip them up. Like, no, no, God sees what you're doing. <laughs> oh, fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. And if he was writing it today, he might have included like that, includes social media, right? Don't go about spreading slander. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you'll not share in their guilt. That's an interesting one there, right? It's like you see your neighbor doing something wrong that they're, they're guilty of. And he's saying, look, don't hate them in your heart and just let them continue down that destructive path. Rebuke them frankly. Speak truthfully to them. Frankly, you know, try to help them to change. It's like when you're staging an intervention for someone, right? Saying if you refuse to do that, it's like you're hating them in your heart just to let them continue down that destructive path. You might share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus, when he was asked about what are the most important commands of all the 600 plus commands given in the Old Testament, said, well, the first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He reaches into Leviticus. So we know that Jesus was familiar with, with this, right? Because Jesus reaches into this, this chapter and says, this is, if you're only going to remember two, remember this one, love your neighbor as yourself. And so I, I kind of think of like many of these that we've just read as like illustrations of that. I think Jesus said, uh, I know Jesus said it in one place, the Apostle Paul said it in another, that like all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, to love God with all you are, love your neighbor as yourself. So all these other commands are like expressions of loving God and loving neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie to them, deceive them, put something in front of them to trip on when they're blind. You're not going to do these things because you love your neighbor as yourself. And one illustration of that would be don't just consume it all for yourself. Don't just keep it all for you. But when you're harvesting, make sure you leave some for others. It's one way to love your neighbor as yourself. The kind of thing you might want someone else to do for you if you were in their shoes. One reason that this... uh, was popping out at me as I'm reading Leviticus, and what do I, what do I focus on for my last message on this big, weird book? Uh, one reason this was standing out was because it was the date that they were choosing for us to kind of launch the 6K, and they've got the promo codes and all this stuff available, and the match, and so I, I wanted to go ahead and make sure I mentioned the 6K today and invite you all to participate, and I thought, well, that's kind of what's going on right here. Because most of us, you know, we're not planting crops and harvesting them, right? That's, we have like a paycheck that we get. Or, you know, we get a monthly check or, or a biweekly check or somehow we get paid from our, from our work or disability or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, that's kind of our version of harvesting, I guess. The money lands in our account. And if I'm trying to think, well, what do I do with this? I think, well, I got to make sure I'm not just using it all for me, I guess. Somehow I've got to make sure that I'm leaving some for others that I'm thinking about the people around me who don't have the same opportunities I have, who, you know, they don't have the land to plant and to harvest. They don't have the, the solid job with a steady paycheck. They, or maybe they don't have any job or any paycheck. You know, what, maybe they're struggling right now in a way that I'm not. And uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this some in, in his letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I think. I should have quoted that one. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are great for, for all of this, by the way. Um, that verse that's my favorite about giving, about how, uh, you know, we don't let anyone um, pressure you into giving. You know, each of us should give what they've decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We put that right by the offering box because we don't want anyone to give because they were arm was twisted or because pastor you know gave a message like oh i better leave some for others i guess that means put money in the box you know that's not what this is about all right and in that passage paul talks about like we're not trying to make it so they have it easy and you have to suffer it's like no no right now you have extra they don't have enough we're just looking for some equality it's looking for you to share some of the extra that's been provided for you to meet their need as he was gathering this collection uh, for the people back in jerusalem and that's how I, anyway, bring this verse, this 
illustration of loving my neighbor into my life today is that when Stacy and I get paid and money lands in our checking account, we just plan ahead of time. You know, there's a certain amount of this that we're not going to use for us. There's a certain amount we're going to give back to God through the church for continuing his mission and to support things like the warming center and all the other good things that get done here, you know, and around the world through the Church of the Nazarene that we're a part of. Some of it gets set aside to meet other needs, to give to other fantastic nonprofits or to help individuals in our lives that we just decide ahead of time. Uh, this is how much, this is the percentage of our income that we're going to kind of leave at the edges of our field. You know, we're not going to just use every last bit of it. And this is, I mean, in some ways, this is countercultural, right? Um, this is one way that we, as the people of God, are different from the, the nations around us, you know, to use the language of Leviticus. Um, because that's what God, he wants us to be different. He wants us to be his people doesn't want us to follow the example of those other nations. We looked at that last week, and actually I think there's a passage we're going to look at in just a second where he says something very similar. Um, that's one way we can be different. Because, right, the, the, the culture we live in says, now that money's for you. You worked hard for that. That's for you, to spend on you and whatever you want, right? In fact, here, we'll give you a credit card so you can spend it now, and then you can pay us back later. Right? Or we'll give you nice terms on this vehicle or whatever this might be so that you can, you can pay over the long term. And, and so we just kind of look and we think, well, I can afford the payments. Okay, great. I'll just buy this. And we, we get ourselves saddled with so much debt and so many other things that, that then an opportunity comes to, like, help someone who needs water or to, to help a neighbor in need. And we're like, oh, man, I've got nothing left. I have spent it all. I have harvested right up to the edges of my field and then some, and I have nothing to share. That's where God gives his people this kind of instruction to say, no, just, just work this into the plan. Plan on this. Don't anticipate that all of what you plant is, is going to be harvested for you. You, know, you have an opportunity to, to earn this, to, to collect this, and some of your neighbors don't. You've got people in your neighborhood who are poor, who don't have land, who are foreigners, who, who don't have this opportunity, and, and it's on you to care for them. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if that wasn't clear, then a few verses later in chapter 19, he says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. <laughs> you kind of like punctuate some of these with, I am the Lord your God. I'm like, you got to listen to me, remember? You were foreigners in Egypt. You were, I cared for you. Now, they, they left Egypt with plunder. It says, if you have a foreigner residing among you, love them as yourself. Take care of them. This is one way that we can do that today. To not just anticipate that all of this stuff is mine and for me. To not go right up to the edges of my field. And, and I suppose this isn't just true about money. You know, last week we were talking more about time with Sabbaths and that sort of thing, right? I mean, some of us pack our schedules so full there's no room for anybody else. God might give you an opportunity to talk to someone. I've got to say, this is a challenge for me sometimes because I tend to run right up to the last minute, tend to procrastinate, tend to not have things done way early. It's why on Sunday mornings often, if you're coming to service, I might still be back there at the computer frantically trying to get these scriptures in there so you can see them or so they can see them online, right? I could have done that Friday, but oh, I didn't have it done yet. Okay, here I am, Sunday morning, service about to start. Let's hope I get it done. And I'm not able to talk to folks as freely as I would like to because of that. Some of us live that way with our schedules. Our schedules are so full, we've just kind of packed our schedules right up to the edges, and maybe God's saying, oh, you, need to, you need to plan to leave a little breathing room in your schedule. No, don't, don't go right up to the edges. You know, last week with the Sabbath, it was kind of like, just plan ahead to have a day to rest each week, a day to recuperate. Plan to have some time in your evening and morning to, to rest. And here he's saying when it comes to your finances, too, in fact, much of Leviticus, with all the talk of like offerings and tithes and all that kind of stuff, uh, all these sacrifices that they would make, every one of those involves people bringing something of value and just giving it away to God, giving it to the priests, or throwing that required fellowship offering and throwing that required party and inviting people to come and, and take something that, that's viable that they could have sold, they could have eaten, they could have used, and saying, nope, to say thank you to God or to say, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer this sacrifice, I'm going to give this offering. 
the whole book of Leviticus seems to be trying to help them understand, like, no, no, it's not all for you. Some of it you just give back to God. Some of it you leave for people in need. In the next chapter, Leviticus 20 starts out, uh, or early in there, says, consecrate yourselves and be holy. Which means, like, set yourself apart. You know, devote yourself here. Because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. I wanted to include it for that little bit right there. That God is the one who does this. If you're sitting there thinking like, ugh, I don't know how to make this change, ask God for help. He's the one who makes us holy. He's the one who helps us to, to change from the inside out so we don't just fit into the mold of our, of our culture around us, so we don't just continue the patterns that we've uh, you know, been taught growing up. He's the one who makes us holy, who, who makes us different, who helps us to change. Now, in that chapter, there's lots of other commands, lots of sex commands and stuff. Anyway, uh, which seemed to have to do with what the people in that land were practicing, and God wants them to be different from them. Because near the end of that chapter, he says, keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I'm bringing you to live may not vomit you out. I had to include that. It's just such a great image, right? It's like, so the land doesn't just go, oh, get these guys out of here. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things, I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. Kind of continuing on that theme from last week that you read about in Leviticus 23 and 25 when you get to the talk of Jubilee that we talked about last week where God says, look, all the land belongs to me. And even you belong to me. He's saying, I'm giving you this land. You'll possess their land. As, giving it to you as an inheritance, this, this abundant land. I've given you that job. I've given you that paycheck. I've given you those resources. Don't think I gave them all to you just so that you can use them for you. Just so that you can consume all of it. No, I'm entrusting that to you so that you can then, yes, be provided for. And, and yes, provide for your family. But, but there are going to be some around you who don't have the same opportunities. And the way that they're going to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them is because God's people are going to reach out in love to them in ways that meet practical needs to make sure that they are cared for. Like, don't, don't be like these other folks who think it's all for them. If that's, if that's what you have had you know, ingrained in you, been taught to you, if that's the, the way you have lived up to now, you just consume every last bit of everything for you, that's a good opportunity to make, start making a change, right? To begin finding ways and asking God to help. Saying, God, I need, I need help. I need to know. And maybe you're going to start practicing tithing or giving regularly to the church. Maybe you're going to just start, you know, setting aside a portion of each paycheck to give away to others. Maybe you're going to sign up for the 6K. I don't know how you're going to put that into practice in your life. But it's important. <laughs> it's, it's how God designed us to work and the world to work. We don't, I don't want the land to vomit me out because I'm not living according to the way God created the world to work. I want to live a holy life, a life that looks something like the holy God who made me and who loves me, this God who is so generous with his love, who's given me so much. So why would I not then make sure that I share some with others? I included this, one of these verses from Romans chapter 12 last week, and I, I just included verse 2, and I realized this week, I'm like, well, man, I should have started with verse 1. With all the Leviticus talks about sacrifices, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the apostle Paul, writing to these early Christians in Rome, says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, you know, because God has been so merciful, forgiven our sins, been so good to us in ways we don't deserve, he's urging us to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. It's a good thing to worship God by singing to him. It's a good thing to worship God by showing up on a Sunday. Uh, it's even a good thing to worship God by, by giving back to him. But so the way that we are our true and proper worship is offer our, ourselves as a living sacrifice. To be holy. To live a life pleasing to God. To say, okay, God, you've been so good to me. I, I give myself back to you. All that you've entrusted to me is yours. So... Whatever you want me to do with that, okay. If you want me to make sure, if, to arrange my life so that I, I leave some room in my schedule for other people, or I leave some room in my finances to have more to share, then God, that's what I'll do. Last week, I just included verse 2. He continues from there, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. You'll know what God wants for you and how good it is and how pleasing it is, how perfect it is. Once you decide, okay, I'm going to quit just living according to the pattern given to me. I'm going to let God transform my thinking. I'm going to I'm going to look to you, God. I'm even going to look to this weird book of Leviticus and this weird command given to farmers back then. I'm going to listen for your spirit. Are you saying something to me today about how I ought to live in a way that is pleasing to you? Like I said, Jesus quoted that uh, Leviticus 19 when he said that loving your neighbor as yourself is one of the most important commands. And and I couldn't help but think of, of John 13 where he says to his disciples, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, the, the church today is not uh, a separate nation like the nation of Israel was, right? Where, Jesus, where, where God was saying to his people, I'm making you different from the nations around you. Now we are gathered from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, all over the world. But Jesus still is gathering a, a people together and saying, you're going to be kind of peculiar to the people around you. You're going to be, they're going to see that you are different, and the way that they're going to see you are different is by the love that you display. Because you're going to be a people who love your neighbor, who love the foreigner, who love the poor. You're going to be a people who are especially generous with your lives, with your resources, with your time. This is how people will know that you're my disciples, because you're going to love like I have loved you. And we're going to celebrate here in just a moment the way Jesus has loved us. Uh, by giving his all for us. So let's bow our heads. Let's prepare for that celebration. Let's pray. God, thank you that out of love for us, you held nothing back, but gave all of yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you held nothing back from us. Out of love for us, you, you entered into our broken humanity. You took our sin on yourself. You gave your life for us, Jesus, so that we could be redeemed, to to purchase us, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin or slaves to the fear of death. Because now, Jesus, by your death and resurrection, you have have conquered sin. You've defeated death. Uh, The devil is a defeated foe, and we don't need to be slaves to sin or to fear or any of that we can be yours we can know ourselves as belonging to you purchased by you adopted into your family embraced by you heavenly father as your sons and daughters thank you for the amazing love you've shown us thank you for being so generous with your love toward us God, I thank you for the generosity that I see already in in the people that are gathered here as a part of Living Hope Community Church. And I thank you for the generosity that that is going to come in the days ahead as all of us uh, listen more closely to you as as we attempt to look at our lives and our resources through your eyes, from your perspective, as we see the opportunities that you give us uh, to love, to serve, to give. Thank you, God. Thank you that when we have done this thing uh, oh so imperfectly that you have not condemned us for it. But out of love instead you sent your son Jesus Christ so that we can be forgiven. So that we can be transformed from the inside out. So that you can change the way we think. So that we can know your will and do your will. God today we, we come to the table of our Lord Jesus with hearts full of gratitude for the gift of love you've given us. We offer to you these simple gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You, you, as you celebrated that Passover meal with your disciples, you took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. You took the cup, said, this is my blood spilled for you for the forgiveness of sins. When you eat this, when you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we do remember, God, not just that you have been active in in your people's history all the way back to the Exodus and and releasing them from slavery to Egypt, 
in Jesus Christ, you were setting us free from our slavery to sin. Today, we offer you ourselves, admitting our need of your grace and mercy, acknowledging we have not loved you with our whole selves. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you, God, for being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. Thank you. In view of your mercy, we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We give our lives to you, God. And we trust that with your Holy Spirit filling us, with your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, with your Holy Spirit giving us the strength, the wisdom, the power, the ability that we are going to live lives in this world that show to others what your love truly looks like. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread, a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Uh, all of us who are grateful that he invites us to come together uh, to celebrate his goodness. Uh, to, uh, are, are you doing break bread together on our knees? Is that, yeah. That, uh, I know we might not be on our knees, but as we sing this, we're, we're approaching God with this humility that says, yes, we are coming together to break bread, to celebrate uh, God's goodness and the love he's shown us in Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's celebrate today. Let us break bread and gather on our knees. Let us bring bread together on our knees. When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Let us drink wine together on our knees. Let us drink wine together on our knees When I fall on my knees With my face to the rising sun together on our knees when I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun oh Lord have mercy my face
are grateful to you, God, for the mercy that you have shown us, the grace you have given us, the love that is so clearly displayed in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Please fill us with the Spirit of Christ today so that we might leave this place as the body of Christ, loving others as you have loved us. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.